Praise the Lord, everyone. We are so glad that we can come and worship God. You may be seated as we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, and this is Resurrection Sunday. Aren't you glad for Resurrection Sunday? Resurrection of our Lord. And uh, it's also a good time because I haven't seen you outside of Zoom calls. <laughs> outside, I mean, we all had to be kind of like just kind of, kind of just doing the best we can to kind of connect, but it's good to see you in the house. How many glad to see some folks in the house today, some folks here? It's good to see you all up front, close and personal. It's nothing like having the personal touch. I'm glad that we've had the ability of technology, but I'm not letting technology take the place of the fact that I need to be with flesh and blood, right? It's wonderful to know that we can be with flesh and blood and that we can be together to worship. And so uh, we're praying that as we're going to see, uh, hopefully see that we're getting uh, the restrictions uh, loosened a little bit. And as uh, we're seeing more and more uh, businesses are opening and houses of worship opening, that we can also invite more people to come in. So we're glad that we have the opportunity to meet together. I have a word to share with you this morning. And uh, I want to take it, of course, from a familiar passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Matthew chapter 28 is, is of course, uh, one of the passages that shows us the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so many people look at Easter in many different ways. Some look at it as, look, it's a time to Easter hunt in, in, uh, in terms of egg, egg, egg hunts, Easter egg hunts, and having fun with kids. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with gathering your family and having Easter dinner. But you know what? We cannot forget the greatest thing that happened in history was that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There's no other person, there's no other man, there's no other, no, no other person that can proclaim that they actually died and was in the grave for three days and rose from the dead. Unless Jesus raised them like he raised Lazarus. But you know, we're so excited that he has risen from the dead. If you're excited this morning that he rose from the dead, would you give the Lord a praise right now as we go to Matthew 28? Amen. So while you're at home, uh, you can get your Bible, you can go on your app, and you want to go to Matthew 28, we're going to look at verses uh, 1 to 10 and then verse 16 to 20, okay? The word of the Lord says, on Sunday morning, say Sunday morning. Come on, say Sunday morning. Sunday morning. When is it, y'all? It's Sunday morning. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow, and the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell down dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, do not be afraid. He said, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead just as he said he would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you. Say ahead of you. Do you know that God is ahead of you? He's ahead of you. He's ahead of you. He says he's ahead of you. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. 
You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly to the tomb. They were very frightened, but filled with joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Verse 16, the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all, been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm, always, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to speak to you on life-giving directives. Life-giving directives. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the word of God that's able to save our souls. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence and be in the company of the saints that are here and some who are watching at home, Father, that we can join together to celebrate your resurrection. We pray, Lord, that you would resurrect us, our hearts, our spirits, our souls. Thank you, Lord, for speaking clearly to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The thing about this story is it's a powerful story because it not only deals with Jesus' resurrection, but it deals with people who were actually seeing this happening. The Bible tells us that there were two women that went to the tomb. And Jesus, when he was crucified, and he died on Good Friday. How many know he died on Good Friday? You know, we call it Good Friday. I don't know how good it was for Jesus, but it was, it, they call it Good Friday. It's a God Friday. But he died on Friday, and he was buried, and he was put in this tomb, and on Sunday morning, two women ran down to see if he really rose from the dead like he would say he would. I don't think they really expected a whole lot, because they brought spices, and they, they just kind of said, you know, I think he's just dead and gone. But then Sunday morning, something particular happens. The Bible says that there's an earthquake, there's a shaking. There's a move of the earth. And, and do you know, for these last several months, there's been a shaking. There's been a shaking of the globe. There's been a shaking in our world. The pandemic has shaken. Shaken our institutions down to its foundation, down to its core. We've been shaken economically. People have, millions of people have lost jobs. And some people, the jobs that they we're working on, they'll probably never get them back. The shaking has, has really woken us up to a lot of things. It's woken us up to the fact that maybe our healthcare system needs some restructuring. It has awakened us to issues of racism. It has awakened us to all types of things that were really not that secure. And so in this passage, it's amazing that when it comes to this shaking, this shaking, uh, it, it brings a lot of fear. 
it brings a lot of fear. People today are in a, a lot of fear. The mental anguish that it is causing people today, just people under such, so much traumatic stress, that they're saying that they don't have enough support to get around those who are really having challenges with their mental health. And it's not only older adults, it's young people. The stress of not being able to go to school and social distancing and not being able to see their grandparents and, and all these other things that are going on in their lives have brought stress and some, unfortunately, have gone to the side of, you know what, maybe I should just end it all. But I'm glad that this passage gives us some hope. Aren't you glad that Jesus gives us hope? His resurrection gives us hope? He gives us, he gives us hope because any time a shaking goes on, it doesn't necessarily mean that is hopeless. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything is going to perish and it's all going to be over. The resurrection of Christ brings us hope. And so the resurrection and the shaking that goes on in life can actually be a new beginning for you. Do you realize that there are some things that have to be shaken? Because when God shakes things, it's not only about things that he just wants to remind you that he's in charge, but sometimes he does it so he can remove some things, but also bring a great opportunity into our lives. Do you know how many people have lost a job only to find out that there was a better job for them? They lost a relationship only to find out there was a better one for them. They lost something and know it was traumatic in the beginning, but they'll say, my God, thank you, thank you, Lord. Because he's not only the God who gives, he's also the God who takes away. Job said that. He said, look, the God that has given much to me, and when he suffered much, he said, the same God is the God who's taken away. And you know what he said? He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you give God praise for the things that even takes away from you? He'll take away some things that you certainly don't need on your journey. And so when it comes to the shaking, he removes some things. And the Bible begins where suddenly there was an earthquake. And as the, these women were going down, the earthquake was because the angel came from heaven and rolled this stone away that was in front of the tomb. It didn't just come from nowhere, it came from heaven. The shakings that we feel that happens in our lives not only come from what's going on naturally, it can come from heaven. And the shaking was to open up the door of that tomb where Jesus was laid. And what God will do for us, he will shake some things in our lives because he's trying to open some things for you. Can you, can you say God is opening some things for you right now? At home, in the chat box, put it in there. God is opening some things for me right now. Uh, I, I know that it seems like it's shut up, it's limited, but God is opening some things and doors and opportunities and blessings for me right now because it doesn't come just from nowhere. It comes from heaven. And the Lord said that the doors that I open no one can close it. And the doors that I shut, no one can shut. The doors that God has for you, no one can close them. And the doors that God closes, no one can open them. So that means that whatever's for you is for you. 
You have no need to worry. You have no need to be jealous and envious and covetous because God has a door for you to go through. Oh, I'm happy for that this morning. Are you happy about that, saints, that God has a door for you? He's a way maker, someone said. The angel rolls the stone away. And it all starts up with something like a new beginning. When they get to the tomb, they met this angel, and the angel is sitting there, and as they're, they're coming, they're looking, of course, for Jesus. The angel gives them a message. The angel said, um, I, I know that you're looking for Jesus who you saw crucified, who, who died right in front of you, who was buried. We, 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 we know, I know who you're looking for. But I just want to give you some news that he's, he's not here. He's not here. Now imagine if you ran down to a tomb expecting to see where they laid Jesus and actually see where his body was. And you meet an angel. And the angel says, oh, he's not here. Well, your mind is like, well, who stole him? Who stole him? Who, who, they, they, some thought that his body was going to be stolen, so they put the guards out in front because they wanted to protect any of his crazy disciples, his followers, from trying to steal his body and try to fake the resurrection. That's why they had a stone in front, and that's why they had guards in front. But here's what I'm finding that is so powerful about this passage. When these women came down and they heard the message, the message was to give them hope because the angel said to them, listen, I already know how you feel. I already know what you're looking for. But what you're looking for, you're not going to find here. <laughs> because you're in a dead place, but Jesus is alive and he's not here because he's not in a dead place. It's a powerful thing where they went to, this, they went to the, the cemetery looking. They're looking. What would have happened if the angel would have just said, you know, he's not here, and they just stopped and said nothing more? They might have just actually stood there and try to figure out, well, when is he coming back? Well, what's going on? There are people today because they don't understand that God is a moving God. I said he's a moving God. And they will stand in a dead place looking for something that's not going to happen. They're looking for the old thing. See, they saw the old thing on Friday, and they're looking for the old thing, but God is doing a new thing. He already left. In fact, they said, the, the angel said to them, listen, the, the Jesus that you're looking for, he's not here. In fact, he left, and he's ahead of you. Now, if you want to see him, you need to go somewhere. Tell your neighbor, you need to go somewhere. You need to go somewhere. You just, you just need to go somewhere. And the somewhere was, he said, look, he's going to appear to you in Galilee. He wants to meet you in Galilee. The thing about this passage that is so profound, it teaches me that, you know, you may have had some really difficult times during this pandemic. In fact, I've had some tremors in my own life losing loved ones, losing family members, 
the last time we met together, we were around our Thanksgiving tables, but they're not going to be there for any more Thanksgivings. And so we all feel a tremor of some sort. But here's what I want to encourage you. Don't stay at the dead place. Don't stay in the place, the, the, the place of your past. Know that God has called you to move on with him. Jesus moved on. Are you moving on? Or are you stuck in your past? Are you stuck in the place looking for something that's not there? Are you looking for hope in a dead place? Are you looking for life in a dead place? Jesus rose from the dead and he told his disciples through the angel, these women particularly, he says, you know, meet me. In fact, tell my disciples, meet me in Galilee. Here's what you need to know. God will move you out of a dead place and he'll use his word to correct you and redirect you. What does that mean? The word did not come just to inform them. It came to correct them and to redirect them. See, these women needed correction. Do you say, say correction, say correction. See, you can't have life if you're not open to correction. There is life in correction. You know, my, my parents used to say, you know what, it's important that you get home before the lights go on. I, I, know, I know this generation may be a little different, but my parents said, before those lights come on, before you, you hear the hum, anybody know what the hum is? The hum of the transformer. You need to be actually in your house. Why were they saying that? Because they were life-giving directives. Don't hang out with those folks on the corner. Don't go around in that area of the neighborhood. And I didn't like when they said, don't do this and don't do that, but they were life-giving directives. Has anybody heard a life-giving directive? Has anybody told you something that will save your life even if you, even if you didn't really like it? You may have not been open to the correction, but you're just so glad that they corrected you because it saved your very life, it saved your reputation, it saved your job. There were things that we need to hear because it saves our lives. They were open to correction. Say correction. Say correction. Put in the chat box, correction. You have to be open to correction. And then when you're open to correction, not only be open to that, be open to redirection. You said, uh, you're looking for Jesus here? Well, let me tell you where he is and where he's going. He's going to Galilee. Now, you can stay here if you want to because you don't like correction or redirection, but you're not going to find life here unless you get the redirection. Do you, how many of you ever drove, drove down a wrong street? And you're using your GPS and say, I'm not going to listen to that. See, now, before GPSs, my wife was the voice. I don't think... I don't think this is the right way. I'm driving. What you talking about? I'm driving. You, you know what? I'm driving. Let me, just let me drive. But, but I saw the same house twice. You, that's your imagination. I know where I'm going. And really, it was just me 
refusing to get redirection. See, God is trying to redirect you. And sometimes you're bumping your head up against a wall. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're bumping your head against a wall. You might even be praying and fasting and waiting on God and really upset and frustrated. But God's trying to redirect you so that you can find where he is. And I sense someone that is watching today, someone in this room, God is redirecting you. And you might be having a hard time, a difficult time navigating the circumstances. It might be on your job. God is trying to redirect you. Stop beating your head against a dead issue. Allow God to redirect you. So they go to Galilee. They go to Galilee. Say Galilee, Galilee, Galilee. You know, there's, there's a directive that happens. That go to Galilee, go to Galilee. Go to Galilee. Galilee is beautiful. If you ever have a chance to go to Israel, I've had the wonderful opportunity twice to go to Israel. I believe that every believer should put that on your bucket list to walk with Jesus, walk in Israel. To visit his hometown, to visit his place where he did miracles. See, in Galilee, he did miracles. In Galilee, he went to a wedding and he turned water into wine. In Galilee, he fed the 5,000. In Galilee, he dealt with Peter and his disciples on a boat when they were in a storm. In Galilee, he was just born outside Galilee, which is a place called Nazareth. He was born in one of those, the hood of Nazareth, but it was in the jurisdiction of Galilee. Galilee was a place where Jesus called his disciples. He called, them, he called his disciples and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Galilee was the hub. Can you say that with me? Galilee was the hub. Galilee was the, have you ever had a place where you went, it was like the hub? The hub of what's happening? The hub of what's going on? You know, there were places where, where, where you went in your life where says, you know what, I want to be in a place where it's just happening, and that was your hub. That's where everybody met. That's where you had friends, and you know, it might have been at your mother's house, it might be at your cousin's house, it might have been at your friend's house, it might have been at a park, but you just hung there because that was like, this is where everybody hangs out. That's what it's like in Galilee. It's amazing that Jesus took the disciples where they first began. Galilee. He took them to the hub. Do you know, after being away from church for such a long time, here we are at the hub. Here we are at the hub. So let me give you three directives. First directive is this. It's, author, it's authoritarian. So, God, so the Lord said, this, this, I'm speaking to you as an authoritative word. The first thing, he tells them to reassemble. Galilee was a place where they reassembled. They gathered together with brothers and sisters. Verse 7 says, he says, go quickly and tell my disciples that he's risen from the dead. This is what the angel says. He's gone ahead of you in Galilee. Jesus went back to the hub. 
He went back to the hub. You know what? I'm glad you're here and worshiping with us. And I'm glad that you're here watching. And I'm glad that we could be together virtually and, and also face to face is because we're able to come back to the hub. We're able to come back to the place where we can receive the teaching. That's where Jesus taught his disciples the Beatitudes. It was in Galilee. The hub, that's the place where we get taught, we get nurtured. That's the place where we gain communal fellowship. It's at the church. And I know that you've been away from church, and I'm going to tell you, when we talked about coming back and we started um, getting ourselves ready to go live in worship and getting up on Sunday morning, the first time I had to get up on Sunday morning and make my way down to the hub, it was a little difficult. <laughs> Can I, can I hear amen up in here today? You mean we got to put on clothes? <laughs> For real? You mean, we gotta, you mean I got to get up? It was great watching worship, and it was great sitting down at breakfast and hearing the word of God in my home. But now, he calls us back to the hub. And I trust that those of you who are watching, that you don't get so comfortable being where you are that you don't want to fellowship, that you don't want to come to be a part of the community of faith, that you don't want to see your brothers and sisters where you can, at one point, we're going to be able to hold hands again and pray. We're going to be able to receive communion and not have to worry about the social distancing aspect of it. We were able to actually eat together. Hallelujah. We like to have fellowship and, and eat together, and it's at the hub. And so I want you to understand, number one of the, of the directive is you want to reassemble. You want to gather. The second thing is when they saw Jesus, they didn't get mad and say, you know what, Jesus, I went down and look for you at the tomb, and you weren't there. How come you didn't tell me that you weren't going to be there? You waited until I already got myself together on Sunday morning and got myself ready, only to be told you're going to be meeting in Galilee. How come you just didn't let me know that you're going to meet in Galilee? I could have saved myself a trip. But they didn't get mad and upset. The Bible says they worshipped. So the second directive is, we need to return to worship. Don't just, re, just, just reassemble. We're not just kind of coming together because we miss church. We're coming together for worship. We're coming together for worshiping God, to worship Jesus. You're not going to worship a human being, and I trust you ain't worshiping me. You're going to worship God. Because you know what? I'm not the one that was, was sacrificed for your sins. He's the one that was sacrificed for our sins. And he deserves a lot of worship. I want to worship God right now. Can we take a pause right now and just worship God and just bless his name? Right at home, just worship God and worship him and glorify him. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down, he is worthy to be praised. Oh, hallelujah. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. And he reigns forever. You know, it's a, it's a powerful thing when you can come to worship God. 
It means to hold that value so dearly that you're not going to let anything keep you from worshiping him. You're not going to let, if you have to go a distance to seek him out, you're going to go the distance because he's worthy of our praise. So we have to return to worship. Verse 9 says that as they went, as they were going, they met, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, they kissed his feet, and they worshiped him. They worshiped him. We want to be a people who worships God, not just reassembles, but we return to worship. And finally, when they worshiped him, Jesus said something that was very powerful. And he spoke to them because he was trying to refocus their minds. I think that after we have been through such a horrific season, I think we have to refocus. Now I'm gonna speak for myself. There were places where I lost focus. There are places where I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so, so much thinking about what's going to happen that I lose the focus and, get my, and my mind is totally off of the purpose by which I'm here. I'm so worried about surviving. I'm so worried about not catching anything <laughs> that I'm not focused on the purpose by which I'm called and here for. So here it is in verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples. Are you a disciple? Yes, you are. If you all follow Jesus, you're a disciple. He came and told his disciples. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given to you and be sure of this. I am always with you, even to the end of the, end of the age. Not only do we, as God's people, his directives are to call us to reassemble, to return to worship, but it's called us to refocus on our mission. We don't want to lose the mission. We want to be focused on the mission. And what is the mission? The mission is, he says, as disciples, as disciples, I don't want you just to gather, have community, have fellowship, and eat together. I want you to make disciples. Everybody who is in the kingdom of God has to understand this directive of making disciples. Well, you might say, well, I, I don't think I can do that. How do, you, how do you do that? Just trust the Lord's word. He says, listen, I've called you, I've equipped you, and I'm sending you into the world, all nations. Not just to make church people, I'm calling you to make disciples, followers of me. And not only do I want you to be a disciple, I want you to make a disciple. Every one of us are called to make a disciple. How do you do that? Well, he calls us directly, he says, as you go, as you go, as you go where? Go to your job, as you go to school, as you go to your particular neighborhoods and 
as you go into world travel, as you are doing your work, wherever you are working, and, and your children, your house, wh wherever you go, seek out this directive of making a disciple. And do you know, the church has forgotten, unfortunately, what we're called to be. We can get so out of focus that we lose our perspective because of what we personally might be going through. We can lose our focus because of what's happening in the world, but we never should lose this focus because it's a directive by Jesus. He says, go and make disciples. So this morning, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, we're so glad that he's alive. We're not going to stay at a dead place, are we? Looking for what we're not going to find. Jesus has moved on. We are going to be people who reassemble ourselves and get around the hub. I, I want to invite you that as we go forward, even in this house of worship, don't, let's not go back to the same old thing. Let's go where Jesus is taking us, to Galilee, to the hub, to learn again, to be schooled again, to hear his truth again. Let's return to worship. It's about him. It's all about him. Can you say it's all about him? Worship is all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. But sure enough, when we go, let's make disciples. Let's make disciples. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to walk anywhere, so don't get nervous. And for those of you at home and you're watching, God has given us some directives. And I want to pray for those of you who are maybe standing in a place where it has been a very trying place in these last several days, months, and weeks. Perhaps you're going through some great agony and pain. And maybe it's not you, but maybe you're really having a difficult time because of someone you love has gone through pain. See, the women that came down, they were, they were in pain because they saw what Jesus went through. I want to let you know, God is opening a door of opportunity for you to go where he is, to receive life where he is. And as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and I want you to pray with me because God is taking you to a place of life. Father, I thank you right now. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in our house. Thank you, Lord, that not only do you live in spaces where there is worship and praise, but God, you can come right where we are. So I pray that those who may be going through despair, going through challenges, going through all kinds of heaviness, spiritual heaviness, mental heaviness, challenges, and they're prone to stand at a dead place, I pray, Lord, that they would hear the word of the Lord, that you will meet them in Galilee. Give them strength, Lord, to pursue, to pursue your will, to, even in this hour. 
thank you, Father, for strength. Thank you for grace. And as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, perhaps you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I want to tell you, go where he's taking you. You'll find life there. Open your heart. And maybe the Lord is shaking some things because he wants your heart to open. If you desire to open your heart today, I want to pray with you and pray for you. But also, I want you to pray this prayer. Would you say these words, Lord Jesus, I thank you today. Thank you, Father, that you don't want to leave me at the dead place. Lord, I come to dead ends. But Lord, you desire to open new doors, opportunities. So first, I open the door of my heart. Forgive me my sins, Lord. Come into my life. Make me new. I believe that Jesus, you were sent, that you were crucified, that you were buried, and that you rose again. Thank you for living in me. Thank you for coming into my life. Lord of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. As your heads are bowed, and maybe you're a Christian, you're a believer. I have a word of encouragement for you as well. It's been a long time. But God said, you know, I, wanna, I want to gather you. I want to infuse life into you. I want you to return to worship. And I want you to come back to a place of focus. So Father, I pray right now that, Lord, places, Lord, where we have lost focus, places, Lord, where we have seemed to lose the priority of worship, pray, Lord, first of all, you forgive us as your disciples. But Father, thank you for refreshing the call giving us directives, Lord, that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for your bringing people in our path to share your word with so that they can have life as well. And I pray, Lord, that we're not just going to share the word, but we will take others along and help them, Lord, when it comes to their reading of their word and help them, Father, in their prayer life. Father, help us to come to the hub so that we can continue to learn how to do that so we can teach others how to do that. Thank you that you're raising up a different, a different body of believers because we're coming to the hub for the right purpose. We bless you. We magnify your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap right now? Come on, give him a hand clap right now. If you're watching and if you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to give you a number that you can text. It's 833 300-0670. And also, if you'd like somebody to pray with you and for you, you can dial this same number at 833-300-0670. Well, God bless you. Make your blessing. Now it's time that we have a little talk about it. Amen. Give the Lord a praise right now. Give the Lord a praise. <laughs>